right? This is Josh T. Franco interviewing Ken Gonzalez Day at his studio in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, California, uh, on July 31st, 2020 for the Smithsonian Institution Archives of American Art Pandemic Project. So Ken, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to me for the archives. Um, we really just want to start with how have you been since March? Crazed, overwhelmed, uh, very busy, <clears throat> uh, partially because I teach also. And so um, my students were all sent home about, about the same time as spring break. And then we did the rest of the semester online. So uh, a lot of students were, were uh, unable to get home, <clears throat> you know, may have had visa problems, had all kinds of so, so on the, the teaching side, it's been very uh, intense. And then of course on the studio side, several shows were canceled, some shows were extended, things are online. So um, everything's been a little bit topsy-turvy. Yeah, and you teach at Scripps College, right? I teach at Scripps College, yeah. uh, where I teach photography, art theory, and humanities. Yeah. Um, the teachings, yeah, have been particularly rough. And your, it sounds like your school has made the decisions for what the fall will look like. We're, we're working on it. So one of the things that also happened, which is maybe not so interesting, but we have we happen to have a faculty executive committee, which is a group of faculty that are elected to make decisions for the faculty. And I was elected as the chair of that committee last year, not knowing, I guess, that it would it's going to correspond with this. So as a result, I have additional duties that I <laughs> that I, I'm finding challenging. Right. Yeah. Um, so as far as your practice, too, one thing we've been wondering, too, it sounds like your studios in your home, but wondering about access to studios has really changed dramatically for some people. But what has it meant for your time in your studio? So uh, usually I, I have access to the dark room at school and uh, I have uh, I have my office, which has most of my books, <clears throat> which I have a lot. So for reading and planning and stuff, um, we're not supposed to go back on the campus or we're supposed to have permission to go on campus so they can clean and sanitize the rooms. So I have not been back on campus. Uh, and, <clears throat> and so I haven't had access to any of those materials. Plus I, I do a lot of research in my work. So I haven't had access to the library or the ar archives there at Scripps or, or the Claremont colleges and um, so that's been a challenge also. And then in addition, we often have the library provide services like if you can't get there, sometimes they can make a copy for you or print. But since there's no students, there's no one to help with that work either. So all of the levels of research that are normally a part of my practice are, are made more difficult. Um, and then my other studio is up at home here um, where I have a computer, mini hard drives, and several monitors. So if I look like I'm looking over there, over here, it's because I have the two monitors set up. And I have a giant printer. Ooh. My giant printer wow. there. So that's the jumbo one. Uh, I have been moving things in this room every single day. There's the old file cap. Flat files, I'm adding new flat files. So I'm trying to organize the space that I do have uh, to be more efficient. I've also, you know, I wanted to do a series of portraits this summer <laughs> of Latino models thinking about, you know, Latinx today uh, in relationship to all the other issues going on at this time historically be, be, uh, besides the pandemic. And so it's a little difficult to do portraiture in a space 
safely. So right. I'm wondering if I need to shoot people outside, if I'm gonna put the backdrop up in the yard, I don't know. So, so I'm having a lot of challenges um, uh, figuring out how to proceed on that project. Yeah, uh, can you say some of the archives or books and topics that were just, that you can't get to right now that you were particularly interested in looking at right now? Well, I was actually gonna do even a project for the Archives of American Art uh, I was researching uh, to do a project, and I was looking uh, to look at the history of artists representing lynching, right? Because, of course, uh, there are many artists that have done that, and yeah. many of those objects are in interviews or in the collection there at American Archives, but I have not been able to access them online. So that's one example. Hmm. Uh, in Claremont, we have... Um, we have mostly we just have interlibrary loans and access to material that way, which um, since they're closed, makes it more difficult. I did uh, request a few things and have them sent home to my house. By the time they got here, they were due back because you know the interlibrary loan is not anticipating the pandemic. So the turnaround by plus shipping, you know, so so all of those have have added additional challenges that I was not expecting. Right, because you'd have to read a book like in an hour and then send it back. <laughs> um, you know, your work is so much about race and violence and historically positioning it and picturing it. Has, have other people reached out to you in this time? Because just to you know, clarify, our secretary, Lonnie Bunch, has clearly identified two pandemics going on now, one COVID-19, but the other, the surgeons in anti-Black racism. Um, which lynching is very close to. You have a little bit of a different view on, on lynching, but certainly relevant. Um, have people been reaching out or have you thought about your own work differently as we've watched violence happen, race-based violence? Uh, yes, people have been reaching out. And um, I suppose it's worth mentioning since people may not know um, that the, the work I'm most known for at this time has really been the race lynching series and the work that uh, sought to raise awareness of the history of lynching in California, and particularly of Latinos, Native Americans, Chinese. So the, that project is ongoing, and the research uh, still continues in the sense that the Erased Lynching series are created by working from historic postcards yeah. and then erasing the body. So I, like this one I just got yesterday. Um, <laughs> so that, that series is ongoing and is about 60 images so far. So there's been a lot of interest in that. The project over the years has expanded beyond just California, which is where it began, which of course is why there were so many Latinos, to really look at uh, it as a national phenomenon. And so, so there are overlaps in terms of thinking about racial formation and racialized violence that are connected between uh, the lynching of Latinos and of course the, the better known history of the lynching of African Americans. So all of those things are tied together. I just did a um, a Zoom with um, the National Holocaust Museum in D.C., which is also trying to create, help people see connections between the Holocaust and our own time. And mm -hmm. certainly this question of racialized violence or uh, ethnic cleansing or you know, other kinds of targeted killing are part of, um, are part of their mission. So I think there's, there's a lot of interest in trying to go back and look at the, the nuanced history of, of, uh, racialized violence in America. Yeah. Oh, another sort of 
you know, it's, I just am having this thought that the postcards you gather are sort of the Instagrams of their day. Um, that's a crude analogy, but I want, you know, social media has kind of elevated, we're all alone and stuck at home now, or some of us are alone, but we're all stuck at home and that's taken on a new, it's an even more important kind of outlet to see what's happening in the world. And uh, I'm interested in your, has your relationship to social media changed? Well, I think, uh, yes in the sense that uh, photography is really the first social media, right? <laughs> so it's about re making a reproduction and that reproduction lives on in a way that represents some version of the real. And so maybe historically that was one print, 10 prints, 100 prints. Then it became newspapers, then it became magazines, then it became you know, the internet and TV. So the, the idea that images carry meaning continues to be the same. The difference is that in terms of social media, many other people are using, for example, my images or other people's images. And the question of authorship is different in, uh, for example, Instagram. Most of my students will freely publish somebody else's work without citation or notation. So the images, my images in particular, are, are, uh, are circulating in ways that are not controlled by me, <clears throat> which is, different than the usual way that artists work. So particularly photographers, usually you determine a context, the work will be seen in this place under this exhibition title with this specific label so that there's a sense of, of regulating the experience for the viewer or anticipating a viewer or an audience and then helping them to engage with it uh, as a fine art form, meaning that there, there's a space between what you see and, and what the artist intended that uh, happens in the viewers, in the viewers experience. And so that part has been transformed because at this point you really can't even go see the shows that I mentioned, right? They're, they're, so instead of thinking that it's physical art first and then the social media after, in this particular moment, it's the reverse. The social media is the primary experience for, and again, particularly for my students, if they're looking me up or trying to figure out what my work is, or just looking at art in general and come across it, uh, whether they're my students or not, they're encountering the social media component first and then clicking through to find uh, potentially somewhere to see the actual thing. So that's a complete reversal. And in terms of value systems for the history of photography, it shifts the, 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 the way we, we have historically shaped the notion of a photographic document its value, its meaning, its significance. And if that answers your question. Yeah, well, no, it, um, I want to ask a lot of questions about the meet, the official media streams and their use of images too, but also, but more close to what you're saying, have, can you recall some instances where you've seen your own work reproduced in some context or with the caption that really surprised you or you found really interesting that maybe that you would not have thought of or that disturbed you? Well, it, uh, I mean, yes, <clears throat> in many cases, or in some cases, I shouldn't say many, in some cases, uh, some of the work that I've done, so basically the race lynchings, which are dealing with uh, every race that has been lynched, not just African-Americans, um, have been characterized as being the lynching of African-Americans, which they aren't. So mm. because many people are not familiar with the research or the history, of racialized violence in America, they just assume that it's white on black violence. And so 
that's a kind of erasure of my artistic intention. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, it also uh, puts those images out there and those cases out there for, that they could research further if they if they wish to. So there's been a bit of that. There's also been a bit of, you know, people questioning, I guess, just who's allowed to speak on different topics around racialized violence. And certainly um, I, I have seen those kinds of questions posted. Uh, are Latinos allowed to speak about African-American experiences? Um, how many dead Latinos does it take to be able to, to uh, talk about racialized violence with the same sort of cultural meaning that it has for other communities. Uh, how many deaths are enough to resonate as sort of significant, particularly in a, in a time when really we are trying to, as a nation, trying to focus on um, the Black Lives Matter movement on larger systemic uh, problems of which, uh, you know, of which, the, the experience of Californians and uh, Mexican Americans of my generation might be a very small or much smaller slice of the, the national uh, dialogue. Well, I think that's important. It's come up with other Latino artists also. And it's my, I had to have a moment near the beginning of this crisis where I had to separate work I felt obliged to do as a national collector at the archives and work I felt to do as a Chicano American more on the mestizo-based end than the white end of Latino, although not the brownest. Um, but yeah, the position of where we are as non-Black brown people is really like an underlying conversation that's really not being had until we force it in a lot of ways. So it's, it's good to hear you think about you think through that. And your work you know, has made us think about that a lot through lynching. Yeah, and the profile series really looked at the gradations of race, right? So. If you, you know, it's it's sad that we have to talk about it this way, but if we look at our, we are not the dark, you know, we're not the, the Indio, we're not the, and uh, it purely, though, of course, we have our DNA tests and we have all that stuff and we know our family histories. Uh, there's overlap, you know, um, and there's indigenous blood there, but is it enough, mm -hmm. right? What kind, it's, a, and so when people ask, you know, even what I am, people still ask me almost every day. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so those kinds of performative discussions of race are not necessarily being helped in this moment, at least not yet, from what I can tell. Um, so I think, I think it's good that, that at least the conversations are, uh, are happening, right? Mm -hmm. In a way that, the, that racism is over. We heard, I used to hear that during the Obama era. Right. And think that was really not true. And of course, now we see the complete shift of that discourse. So, yeah. Um, so we just have three or four minutes left, but I'm just curious, um, the end, just what you've been doing personally to cope, like people's relationships to home have changed. You know, have you jumped on the sourdough train? Um, how, is, how is life at home now? I've been making a lot of pizza from scratch, oh. pizza dough. <laughs> nice. Yeast is really hard to find, so I'm actually making some yeast uh, because it's, you can only buy it. The store they'll let you buy two packets in my the store near me. So that's been a new adventure. So that's carbs. Like that's okay. I, mean, I live in California, so you know carbs are like <laughs> whatever. It's a conversation that people have about what you eat or don't eat. And so anyway, pizza has been a, a recent staple. Um, 
you know, I can't go to the gym. I can't go to yoga. I can't do any of the stuff that I used to do. So I take the dog on a lot of walks, mm-hmm. um, try to do some running here and there with my mask on. Um, so that's really changed. And then, um, I'm, strangely enough, I, I'm, I'm on, well, I guess like everybody, I'm on Zoom a lot. So I was on Zoom yesterday for five hours and today yeah. another couple hours. And this is my summer break. So this is normally, in, normally a time that I get to just make work. So all of those things are changing the, um, the, the way that I see my day un, unfold. Yeah. Uh, so I guess finally, you know, this is a record. This is the archives. We think about the audience in 100 years. Is there anything about being an artist in 2020 that you want to be sure is on the record for that audience? Sure. There are Latino artists in the 21st century. It's really hard to prove that. If you look, and I'm sure there'll be someone doing a dissertation, if you look at exhibitions happening at this, in this year, take the whole year, take, take last year, uh, really hard to, to prove that we do exist. But in places like California, where we're the majority of the population, it's a chance for people to think about the legacies of colonialism and, and the challenges of, of imagining a more inclusive future, which I hope you have. Awesome. All right. Thank you again. Sure, thank you. Great to see you. You too.